Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today, the subject matter is what kids don't need from their parents. So kind of the opposite take that I typically take on my episode. This time it's things that kids don't need to see or hear or feel from their parents. And these are common mistakes that a lot of parents make, usually with the best of intentions, without recognizing some of the implications that some of these things have for their children and their relationships and attachments with their children. So I'm going to jump right in with my first thing kids don't need from their parents to feel responsible for our feelings or behaviors. So don't say things like, you made me mad, you made me sad, you hurt my feelings. Or, this is how you made me feel when you did dot, 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 dot. Although oftentimes this is well-intentioned, parents often say these things to try and teach empathy to their children, thinking that if they explain to their children that something they did hurt their feelings or made them mad or sad, it's actually misguided because it is coming from a perspective that the children have control over our feelings and our behaviors or made us have a bad behavior because of what they did to us. We need to be presenting ourselves as strong, not weak. And when you say to your child things like, that made me mad or sad or you hurt my feelings, you're presenting as weak, that your child is affecting you and that it's more than you can handle emotionally. That's not something we want to be sending, a message we want to be sending to our kids. So instead, when your child says something hurtful or does something hurtful, don't address the behavior if possible. Instead, in the moment, address what you think is causing that upset in the first place. This doesn't mean you're not going to address the behavior eventually, but it's best to do so once everyone, especially your child, has calmed down. And instead, just address what's causing the behavior. And then later, once everybody has calmed down and you know that everybody's in a good mood and you feel that connection, that attachment energy flowing between you and your child, that's a good time to go ahead and maybe address a behavior that warrants being addressed. But instead of saying things like, you know, when you called me a name earlier that hurt my feeling, instead, you do what is called drawing out good intentions. And this is a tip that I picked up from my training through Dr. Gordon Newfeld and the Newfeld Institute, drawing out good intentions says, you know, I know you didn't intend to say something hurtful. I know you didn't intend to say those angry words. I know that you were having a hard time, or I know that you are frustrated. And sometimes when people are frustrated, 
we say things we don't mean, and I know that you were just upset. When you do that, when you draw out the good intentions, instead of trying to teach a lesson, you're giving your child an opportunity to not feel a sense of um, kind of a, a sense that they themselves are bad, a sense that they themselves are flawed. Instead, you're drawing attention to the behavior that was the problem. They're still good. They're inherently good. This behavior was a problem, but we know it was not intentional. We know that you didn't intend to say those words. You just lost control and you had a hard time. When you approach addressing problematic behavior that way, kids are much more capable and much more primed to actually feel true feelings of remorse over behavior that was problematic. When it becomes something where you're shaming them or you're trying to teach it out of them, they feel more defensive and not as prone to be able to feel a sense of remorse and responsibility over something they did that maybe was hurtful. So you're setting the, you're priming them to be able to feel that sense of remorse and be able to say, gosh, yeah, I did say that. I'm sorry. You're helping that come naturally from a child's feeling a sense of remorse and wanting to take responsibility for their behaviors. The second thing kids don't need from their parents is to believe that their parent does not know what they're doing. Let's be real here. Oftentimes as parents, we don't know what we're doing. However, when we say things like, I don't know what to do with you to your child, when you communicate them, you let the cat out of the bag that you are clueless and what they need in that given moment and you share it with them or you say, gosh, I'm, I'm listening to some parenting podcasts right now because I, I'm trying to learn how to be a parent or gosh, I'm reading all these books right now on raising children or discipline because I'm trying to learn how to do this thing. Um, I'm, I'm hiring a parent coach. Instead of communicating that to our child, we need to be doing those things but keeping that from their, our children's ears. Why? Because this could cause them going it, go into a state of alarm. They feel worried and like, oh my gosh, my parent doesn't know what they're doing. Uh-oh, what now? They're supposed to be raising me. They're supposed to be helping me grow up and make decisions for me. And they just told me they don't know what they're doing. It might make them feel anxious and alarmed. It also might make them have these alpha instincts, something I talked about on a recent podcast episode they feel like we don't know what we're doing, so they better step up and take charge because we clearly don't know what we're doing. We just told them that. We've got to read books. We have to listen to podcasts. We have to hire parent coaches. So instead, get all the support you need. We all need support as parents. We all need insights, support of our friends, of helping professionals like coaches and therapists, of books, podcasts. We need that kind of support. Just talking to a friend or a spouse or partner that's all necessary, but again, that's done out of your child's earshot and without their knowledge. Instead, present your child that you've got this, you can figure it out, you will find the solution, and you will fill them in on what's going to happen next. You don't have to have the answer right then, but you need to give a sense of confidence to your child that you will find the answer, you know what to do. You are that nurturing alpha yourself. That's what your child needs you to be for them. The third thing kids don't need from their parents is to feel like they need to take care of their parents. This also is sometimes referred to as parentification of a child, where a child feels moved to take care of their parent who appeal appears weak, either physically or emotionally. 
So it's important as parents not to rely on our children for emotional support, on them to take care of us, on their help. I know sometimes it can feel very sweet if we're upset about something for our child to come in and try to take care of us. Oh, here you go, mommy. Here's, here's some Kleenex because you're crying. Or here's a blanket. Or I made you something to take care of you. Well, that may be very sweet and in small doses is fine. If this happens often, it might be indicating that your child feels that they need to take care of you. And that is not the right order of relationship. If your child is moving into that caretaking parentification mode, often you need to take note of that and change things. Instead, you need to let your child know that you can take care of yourself. It's not their job to take care of them. While you appreciate their sweet gesture, you don't need it. And yes, sometimes this does require you to fake it. You also can normalize. If you're having an emotional reaction to something that you heard on the news or finding out some sad news like the loss of a loved one, it's fine to normalize that you're having emotional feelings. I'm not saying that you need to be this Stepford version of a parent where you don't have any emotions at all. But it's important to say, you know, I'm crying right now because I'm upset, but this is what I'm doing to take care of myself. I'm going to be fine. And I appreciate your concern, but I can take care of myself. And this is part of the way in which I'm taking care of myself to feel these feelings. It's important that your child doesn't feel like they are responsible for taking care of you. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. The fourth thing kids don't need from their parents is to hear or feel from us that we don't want to be around them when they act a certain way. This is kind of a bit of a fallout from the time out or ignoring method when a child has a behavior that we find to be annoying or frustrating or loud or not something we want to be around in that moment. A lot of times we tend to banish our children from our presence. Don't refuse to be around your child when they're having a hard time. Kids have a hard time, and they're showing this, us this when they act out. And those are the moments when children need their parent support more than ever. So to banish a child from your presence is sending a very wounding message that your relationship, your attachment is conditional. It might appear sometimes to work, and I've had this conversation with numerous of my coaching clients, and I myself used timeouts quite a bit in my year, early years of a parent before I recognized how it was damaging my child and our relationship. It may appear to work, and that's why it's still a popular form of discipline, but recognize it works at a cost to your relationship with your child, your attachment with your child. And also, even more alarming, it comes at a cost to your child's emotional health and development. There are exceptions to this. If you feel like you might lose control of your temper and it may cause you to hurt your child, either physically or emotional, you might need to give yourself a time out. You might need to call and help resources, a partner or a spouse or a friend or family member if possible. But don't use this tactic so often that it in and of itself starts communicating to your child that you can't handle them, that they're more than you can handle in that moment. 
because that again is problematic. So if you need to use this once in a while when you are fearing that you might lose control and might hurt your child emotionally or physically, then those are times when you might remove yourself from a certain situation. But again, use that sparingly. And if you're using it often, you need to get help. You need to address what's going on for you that you are having a hard time regulating your own temper, that you're having a hard time controlling yourself and your behavior in the presence of your child's frustration. So instead of banishing your child or sending them to time out, make space for your children and let them know that they're welcome to be in your presence no matter what version of themselves is there in that given moment. Also, like I said, take care of yourself so that you can take care of your child's emotional needs when they're having a hard time. It's so important, and I recognize that you have to dig down to have the emotional capacity to keep your own calm in the face of your child's frustration, but more often than not, that needs to be what you do. This communicates to your child that you can handle them. This communicates to your child that they are welcome in your presence regardless of how they're feeling in that moment. It's very important. Another thing, my fifth thing that kids don't need from their parents is to be expected to provide reasons behind their impulsive actions or behaviors. So don't ask your children, why did you just do that? Or why are you acting this way? Or what is wrong with you? Chances are they honestly don't know themselves. They don't have an answer. They acted out of impulse. They acted out of frustration. They lost their ability to think in that moment because they were so upset. Their lids were flipped. They were so frustrated. They don't have an answer. They don't know what's wrong with them. And if you can communicate what's wrong with you, you might be communicating that there is something wrong with them when really the reality is they're having a hard time or they're acting immature because they are immature. They're children. They're built that way. They're noisy and frustrating and inconvenient, as are their behaviors often. So instead, ensure that you communicate to your children that while their behaviors might be problematic, they themselves are still inherently good. As I said, most of these behaviors are a result of impulse, of immaturity. So do the work to get to the bottom of what's causing that behavior in the first place and then support your child getting unstuck from those problematic behaviors through addressing that versus quizzing your child and asking them to provide answers for why they're behaving ways. When again, the answer might just be because I'm an immature child and that's who I am right now. There's not really a better answer than that most of the time. So it is okay to address that a behavior is a problem, but don't stop there. So for example, it's okay to say something like, it's not okay to throw your food on the floor, but then go ahead and move on to taking charge and address the cause if necessary later. So it's not okay to throw your food on the floor. Dinner is now over and we'll talk about why you were so frustrated later. It's also helpful to use phrases like, you know, this isn't working right now. We're going to do this instead. So instead of saying, why did you do that? Why did you throw the food? Say, you know what? This isn't working right now. We're going to have dinner later. Dinner's over right now. We're going to have dinner later or something like that. The sixth thing kids don't need from their parents, and this is my final one. Kids don't need us to increase their frustration when it's obvious they're having a hard time due to their frustration. So don't threaten or punish an already frustrated child or shame them for having a hard time. This does not help. 
this will oftentimes lead to bigger explosions of frustration or cause your child to fixate on whatever punishment you've issued or threatened versus helping them process what is frustrating them in the first place. So instead, offer yourself as a source of help and comfort. Say, I can see you're having a really hard time right now. I'm going to go ahead and help you with this. I gave a suggestion to a friend of mine recently that was on a road trip. Her child was really frustrated. Her sister had a toy that she was really jealous of and she wanted to have that toy and she was going on and on and on and on and on over why she wanted that toy and it wasn't fair and she wanted that. And some parents might say, you know, force the kid to share their toy. Some parents might threaten and say, you know, I'm going to take away every toy you've ever been given, or I'm not going to uh, buy a toy for you in the future because you don't, you're not grateful to the things you've been given. You're just always jealous and wanting the thing that your sibling has. All those things feel in the moment like the right thing to say, but they're just going to increase your child's frustration. So instead, offer yourself as the source of help and comfort. In this case, when driving, always the worst time to try and do our best practices as parents. When you're driving or when you're in, a, you're in a situation where your child's having a hard time, offer yourself. So in this example with my friend, I said, pull over and just tell your child, I know you're really frustrated. You're jealous. You want the toy your sister has. You wish that you had chosen that same toy, but you didn't. That's really hard right now. I can see you're having a hard time with this. Let your child know that they are welcome to feel upset and frustrated. They can have their tantrum and that you're there to comfort them. So when they kind of move into that mode where they're not angry and ragey anymore, and they can kind of just feel sad about this thing, and you're there to comfort them and to support them and to say, I know it was really hard. It's really hard to be disappointed, not have exactly what you want when you want it. Your child can move beyond these emotions, can move beyond this stuck point of feeling jealous and wanting to have what the sibling is having or whatever has driven outbursts of frustration in your child. And once you've supported them, you've deepened your connection, you've helped your child process and adapt to one of life's frustrations, chances are next time they're faced with something similar, they won't have to have as big of an explosion of emotion because they will be able to build. Resiliency will grow from this experience. They will be adaptive. They'll know, oh gosh, the next time I pitch a fit about wanting the toy my sister has, I remember what happens. I don't get it. And I know also that that's survivable. And I can handle that feeling of frustration coming from being jealous of my sibling. So that will build upon it. That will help your child move beyond an immature impulse to have this big meltdown based on their age and stage of development. So I know this was kind of a quick and dirty podcast episode today, but it was what was on my mind today with many conversations I've had recently with my parent coach clients and also friends of mine who are also parents. So I thought I would just give you these six things that kids don't need from their parents in the hopes that it can help you maybe rethink some of the things that you commonly say to your children when you yourself are full of frustration over their behaviors. Thanks so much and take care. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. 
If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at The3D Parent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on The3D Parent Podcast.